With respect to raising healthy, well-adjusted kids, every generation of parents down through the ages has had its own unique challenges commensurate with the times in which it lived. And this has been true whether the challenges be economic depressions, sharp social changes, wars, plagues, natural disasters, technological advancements, or other negative influences beyond our control. Now, some people would say that parenting challenges in the 21st century are more unique or more challenging than those of the past. Others, however, would beg to differ. But what's important is identifying, examining, and learning how to overcome today's challenges. And helping you do that is our goal today here on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome once again to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis and, by extension, working with their families. Our host on Licensed to Parent is the founder and executive director of Shepherd's Hill, Mr. Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosel. And uh, Trace, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm guessing you would be in the camp that would say that today's parenting challenges are unique and way more challenging than probably in any other time in American history. Would that be right? Well, Rich, you're absolutely right. Uh, Believe it or not, many self-proclaimed progressives actually think that things here in America have never been better. Uh, I guess if economics or materialism is your unit of measure, maybe that can be argued. But anyone who has a heartbeat and can fog a mirror knows that there are a lot of well-to-do families with a lot of money and stuff that are as dysfunctional and warped as the Osborne family. And yet... You know, so many of them don't even realize it. And that's because since the 1960s, we've become a nation that has largely surrendered our, our moral compass in exchange for moral relativism and postmodern thought. Uh, so consequently, we've now normalized the abnormal. It's kind of like this. You know, is it normal for an alcoholic to be drunk? Yes. But is it normal to be an alcoholic? Well, no. Uh, among many other delusional ideas, boys can now be girls and girls can now be boys. Uh, that's now considered normal. But guys like us claiming it to be abnormal now makes us abnormal. Uh, we need sensitivity training for siding with science. Uh, and then you, you have those folks with more letters behind their name than functioning brain cells who would say that even before the riots and the burning down of America in 2020, that violent crime had actually been going down in America and that they had the statistics to prove it. Or did they? Uh, In some American cities, that may have been true, but that's because they were being governed in ways that were more congruent with uh, a biblical worldview. But America is a lot bigger than a mere handful of cities. And as we've said many times in this program before, you can prove about anything with statistics, especially when those statistics are improperly gathered, uh, interpreted, and or biasly disseminated by people with self-serving agendas. Uh, Look, crime of all sorts will go down when virtually everything that was once illegal becomes legalized. Uh, Instances of teen pregnancy will go down when sex gets redefined and various kinds of other sexual activity and the diseases that go along with them, by the way, actually increase. Uh, With respect to violent crime, it's hard to harm or kill another real person when everyone is sequestered in their homes killing multitudes of avatars on their video game screens. But a similar desensitization and warped emotional grooming is still taking place. So at least the potential for actual violence is being brewed there. And I think we're seeing that in a lot of the mass shootings you see going on in the last few decades. Dave Grossman, who wrote the book Assassination Generation, I think we confirm uh, everything I just said there and a whole lot more. Uh, Now add to that all the fallout of America's progressive attitude toward drug use these days, whether it's 
death by gunshot or death by addiction, uh, death by uh, or disease or drug overdose or drug-induced accidents, the end results are the same. Death is death. Yet only death by gunshot goes in the violent crime column. But I won't get into all that right now, only to say that there are myriad reasons for these deceptively encouraging, quote-unquote, statistics. The bottom line is that, yes, I truly believe that today's parents are raising their kids in a difficult time like no other. My gosh, we're breaking down the very fundamentals of reality as we now define common godly terms with the devil's dictionary. We, we determine what we believe about science by feelings rather than facts. So we're raising our kids in a world of misinformation and information overload at the same time, and it's producing in them a level of stress and anxiety that rivals that of the average psych patient in the 1950s. And when all this chaos is pumped into virtually every American school and home 24-7, 365, thanks largely to digital technology, you end up with hell on earth. Mm -hmm. Of course, all this is indicative of the sin and godlessness that's taken over America today. And as I see it, that's the real root of everything else that's uh, got America going in the wrong direction and making parenting tougher than ever. Wow. Well, we have uh, invited someone to join today's conversation. I, I should uh, warn you, Trace, he does have letters after his name. But aside <laughs> from that, I think he's going to be a great help to us. Uh, let's welcome uh, Dr. Daniel Huerta uh, to the program. Dr. Huerta works with Focus on the Family, overseeing its initiatives that equip mothers and fathers with Biblical Principles and Counsel for Raising Healthy, Resilient Children. And he's joining us today from the Focus Studios in Colorado Springs. Dr. Huerta is a bilingual licensed clinical social worker. He's got a master's degree in social work from the University of Denver Graduate School of Social Work. Uh, he's got a bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Colorado at Colorado Springs. And he has, uh, in recent times, received his doctorate in psychology uh, from California Southern University. By the way, he maintains a private practice in Colorado Springs and also serves as a board member on the El Paso County Mental Health Association. Dr. Huerta has been married for 24 years. That gives him a little skin in the game of what it's like to be a family person. And he and his wife, Heather, have uh, two children. So, Dr. Huerta, thank you so much for setting aside some time today to help us unravel all this. Yeah, Trace, Rich, great to be with you guys. Very excited to uh, tackle this difficult topic uh, with both of you guys. Well, thank you. Well, and again, welcome to Licensed Parent. Uh, and, mm. and let me ask you, uh, you know, can, can you think of a time in American history where it's ever been tougher to raise emotionally healthy kids? Well, each, each generation has their own unique challenges. Really, the, the biggest challenge is that sin has different ways of showing itself uh, to different generations. And it happens to be that right now we have uh, really a, a distortion of truth, a distortion of perception and dishonesty just flying around us. And so then you have kids trying to navigate that along with the normal developmental challenges that come with that. Then you have parents being told that the goal really is to have happy kids and to pursue happiness and comfort. And, and we that just a combination of that complicates things. And parents just, they do have too many things coming at them, too many demands. Um, and so what they end up doing is, is either nothing or uh, they miss out on guiding their kids towards something. And uh, right now there's confusion and division even within the church uh, that has uh, really uh, exponentially grown in the last couple of years. So uh, there are complexities. I don't know uh, 
they're, they're tough for now and other generations, it's been difficult for them. And what we need to do is search for hope and also search for wisdom uh, as parents. It's not hopeless. It just means you got to be in the game. That's what it means. Absolutely. What would you consider to be some of the most glaring challenges that parents face in the course of trying to produce an emotionally healthy child in 21st century America? Well, so many influences coming into our homes. Social media has increased the amount of or the traffic of influence into kids' minds. And as we know, uh, perception drives belief, belief drives thoughts, and then thoughts dance with our emotions. And then we have behaviors that come out. Many parents spend their time on the behaviors and miss out on the perception uh, uh, conversations that they need to have. And so that the challenge is at the perceptual level. What what is normal and is normal good? Uh, sexuality, uh, gender identity that we you, you had mentioned that earlier, that we get to choose whether we're a boy or girl, regardless of what our body shows. Uh, uh, there's a lot of um, control of perception by news and, and according to worldview. And uh, so kids definitely, they're going into college and being fed a certain worldview as fact. And uh, that's a challenge to parents when you're, you're thinking, you're, I'm sending my, my Christian child to a university, they're going to they're gonna shine a light and all of a sudden it flips around and you're seeing some college kids coming back and questioning everything that was taught to them for 18 years. Uh, so there, there are drugs uh, at this point, uh, the escape of the overwhelming pressure on kids and uh, the, uh, the, the peer norm of, of drugs just being a part of culture, starting with marijuana, those that that's a that's a challenge for parents and uh, in in my practice one of the more common entry ones is when is it good to have a child uh, have a phone and then what are the boundaries and parameters around that and then the disagreement between mom and dad uh, creates challenges in where their boundaries and limits are going to be that makes a difference as to how that's that plays out in the home yeah. You talked about the term choice. Uh, have we given, uh, is it possible to give your kids too many choices? Because I, I, I think we're, we're at a place where too many choices lead to indecision, and indecision can lead to anxiety, and anxiety lead to depression, and all, you know, on and on and on mm-hmm. to where now suicide is the second leading cause of death. Uh, so back to the original question Have we given our kids too many choices? And that's from my field, right? Psychology, that we need to give kids choices from the beginning. We, we have a lot of choices, but without the truth going along with them to make the decisions. But I, I would say that kids are given too many decisions, too many big decisions too early in their lives. Isn't it true that if a young child is given too many decisions, that what tends to happen is the child kind of freezes up and doesn't make a choice? Which is a yes, choice. It, that's true. right. And, and we have to take personality into consideration. You have the peacemakers that are just going to make whatever choice everyone just to make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the leader types that want to make decisions because they, they, they're wanting control and power. In our unhealthiness, all of us in our personalities will handle decisions in very unique but unhealthy ways. And so for kids, they need to be taught how to, how to learn um, empathy, how to learn humility, how to learn the central components of character 
in order to learn how to make wise decisions. And so it's, it's good to teach kids how to make decisions, but with elements that are important on how to seek wisdom. And God tells us all about that. Uh, it's being able to see in the middle of intersections. And what's happening is kids are showing up to intersections of decision and they don't have the tools to make a decision, right, left, straight, what do I do? And that's the seat that parents get to to be a part of all the way into the teen years and into the teen years, kind of navigating that. Hey, we're in this intersection. What do you think? And how'd you come up with the idea that you need to turn right here instead of left? Or why, why not go straight here? Uh, I love to, to, to use that analogy with families in my practice. Hey, you're at an intersection and you're going to have many intersections every day, just like when you drive. How do you make decisions when you enter that? What worldview are you taking into that intersection? What makes you uh, put the blinker on here? Where, who, who gets to influence or be a part of that influence in your decision-making? And if you start with that analogy with kids when they're little, uh, they'll get it more and more as they get older. So as you're driving uh, and you have a decision, you can say, wow, look at how many decisions I've got. I can turn right, I can go straight, I can go left. But I needed to plan a little bit of ahead so I knew where I needed to turn before I got to the intersection uh, because I need to either get in the left lane or in the middle or in the right. And so how, how can we anticipate those decisions as kids get into school, as they go into middle school, as they go into high school, those big decisions, big intersections? They need to know ahead of time where they need to turn because when they get to the intersection, it may be a little too late. Uh, so helping them anticipate. Our guest on License to Parent today is Dr. Daniel Huerta. He's the Vice President of Parenting and Youth at Focus on the Family. We're talking about, at least in broad terms, wise parenting in our insane world. Uh, we will be back with more conversation in just a moment, so please stay with us. And a reminder, if you've missed any of our past programs and conversations on the subject of intentional parenting, you'll find them all on our website at licensedtoparent.org. Back with more in just a moment. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day -day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall to be completed by the end of the year, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherds Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash building together. That's ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Your children are teens now. They're growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. 
Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology. Issues that affect health, wellness, ability to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at Licensed to Parent, we want you to choose a wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at LicensedToParent.org slash wisephone. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis and, by extension, with their families. Our guest on today's program is Dr. Daniel Huerta. He's the Vice President of Parenting and Youth at Focus on the Family. And we're doing our best today to unpack how to be wise parents in an insane world. And Trace, you know, I know you... uh, you and I have talked about this on previous programs, but I know you believe that mental health issues may be uh, at the root of some of this, and they seem to be rampant these days. Right. And, and uh, Daniel, we, we, we hear a lot today uh, about America's systemic racism problem, which I think is—I don't quite connect the dots there. But, and yet there doesn't seem to be any evidence to support that. But why aren't more parents up in arms about the real systemic problem in America, mental illness? And— how do parents, you know, cultivate mental health uh, in their homes when the whole world seems to be uh, going insane? Yeah, there's a lot of angst around the uh, the fear of suicide because that's been in the news a lot. But there in, there aren't conversations around what's creating the issue of mental health and why. Because uh, mental illness and mental health are different things. We do get focused on. Uh, some of the mental illness, uh, we mentioned depression, and sometimes you hear, hear about uh, certain uh, medications that could be helpful for that on the TV, and they, they keep going on with the side effects. And so, but we, we, we haven't really come up with a, uh, a good plan of what does it look like to cultivate a culture and a home that's centered around mental health and making that a priority. And I really, I, I divide this out into five elements with families. One is our emotional world. How much do we teach our kids to understand and look at their emotions, their emotional world, where they're coming from, knowing that those are simply signals. We can't just get rid of emotions, but we can understand them and manage them. So then you go to the mental world. What is coming into our minds and why? Why do we allow that? And as it's coming in, how are we managing those thought bubbles? And then relationally, how are we connected with other people? Do we have healthy relationships? Uh, are we being relational? Are we in conversation? Because that's helpful for mental health. And then uh, from a physical standpoint, are we getting enough sleep? Are we eating well? I mean, those are two big ones. And big and ones. then are we getting exercise? I mean, exercise, if you look at the research around COVID, uh, people that were did vigorous exercise during that time fared the best in, in their mental health, but you don't see that in the news very often. And then um, from a spiritual standpoint, uh, we, you know, we, we are missing the central component to a healthy life, and that is bringing God back to our nation as the centerpiece and, and learning how to have gratitude, because that's at our soul level. So if you have those five components, that's where you, you cultivate a home of mental health. And when you're missing one or two of those, it, beca- it, be- it begins to deteriorate, and then you have 
you, you have a, a disintegration of the home. You, it starts to fall apart. You have conflict. You have marriages that are just surviving rather than thriving. You have parents that don't know what to do with certain kids, parents that are disconnecting from their teens. Some parents are saying, hey, hopefully they turn out really well by the time they're adults and have no vision. And that's where that spiritual component where we have a, a compass of where we're headed makes a difference in how we're going to guide our kids. And it begins with us as parents. And uh, focus on the family. We actually developed the seven traits of effective parenting. And research-wise, that is, those are solid seven things that parents can work on in order to be effective in guiding their kids towards being contributors rather than consumers in this world. And it makes a huge difference. That's where you find satisfaction, contentment, happiness, mental health, if you learn how to be a contributor rather than a consumer of people and things. That is so important to contribute. Our, our, our kids will articulate that here at Shepherd's Hill uh, by the time they graduate, that uh, they didn't really know the joy that actually giving of themselves as opposed to uh, being a sponge really uh, gave them, you know. Uh, you know, I'm not an expert in epigenetics, but uh, at Shepherd's Hill, we do know that outside stimuli affects kids at the cellular level, probably even more than it affects adults. Uh, just growing up in America, our kids are bombarded with a, a quantity and a quality of stimuli that it doesn't appear God designed them to be dealing with on a regular basis. Do you have any suggestions as to how parents can foster a more stable, uh, authoritative community environment for for their kids in the midst of so much of the chaos in today's world. And by authoritative community, I mean getting them exposed, you know, even beyond church to other adults, other healthy, well-balanced families with a, with a similar worldview that can support a biblical worldview and bring a semblance of sanity back to the equation. That's great. And authoritative, I love that word. That's the balance of the seven traits, actually. Uh, uh, and it, it's really the balance of a high level of sensitivity and awareness of your child, a warmth towards your child of their world. And then the other side is a demandingness, a guidance, boundaries, limits that you put. And if you have high levels of both of those, you're effective at raising your child the best you can. And then it's up to your child. It doesn't mean they're going to be perfect. It means that they're going to be equipped with what they need. And so in this case, with the stimuli coming in, first you have to model it as a parent. Right. Are you managing the consumption of all this stuff well? And uh, you can use the analogy of a, of a dinner plate. If, you, if you're at a buffet and you just keep pouring it on, <clears throat> and then you're, you tell your child, hey, you can only have like half a plate. Uh, no, they're probably going to match you. They're going to they're going to keep grabbing a bit, as many plates as they can in that buffet. So, what do you do as far as the stimuli in your life? And then, uh, how are you coming up with boundaries? Do you have any any contracts that you form with your teenagers around the phone? Do they automatically get that at ten, at twelve, at thirteen, at sixteen? And how do you determine that? I still remember when my son came up when he was 10, 10, about ten, eleven. The normal age, a lot of kids are getting their phones. And, and uh, he said, hey, Dad, when do I get a phone? Everyone in my class has a phone. Mm. <laughs> and I smiled at him. I said, well, really, the only reason you would need a phone is if there was an emergency. And it's a good thing everybody else has a phone because then you can just dial right up. You've got our phone number. <laughs> yeah. And then that's, you don't even have to find a pay phone. But then I said, from here to 16, you get to build the trust in order to show that you can handle a phone. And at that point, we'll determine that you have a contract. So you get to work on that, do it, observe how it impacts your friends throughout these years as you get to 16. And then we'll see if you're ready to have, it's, it's your license, you need a license to drive. 
this is just can be just as dangerous, but for your mind and soul. And so I want to make sure you have a license for that in our relationship, that we're good, that you're trustworthy, that you can handle that. And then that's when we begin. And then we'll, we'll be adjusting as, as we go with, with that contract, because I need you to be mature and ready for the onslaught of what's coming your way through that device. And uh, just because everyone has one doesn't mean you need one. Well, let me bring this in for a landing, if I may. Our time is up for today. Our guest on the program has been Dr. Daniel Huerta. He's the VP of Parenting and Youth at Focus on the Family. And Dr. Huerta, you mentioned a couple of resources uh, in our conversation today. One, of course, is uh, Plugged In, uh, which is a great resource for teens, but for parents of teens also. Earlier, though, you mentioned the seven traits of effective parenting. Uh, can you tell us briefly about that and how parents can can engage in that? That's an assessment, among other things, right? Right. Yeah, it's, it's been a life's work for me from the time of graduate school to uh, getting all the way through the dissertation. I've really uh, dug deep into these seven Someone asked me one time, how'd you come up with these seven? Were you just walking around? It's just, no, it's from, it's from research and, and in my practice, looking at what truly parents can work on. And uh, it's, it starts with adaptability, then respect, then intentionality. And all those three lead to steadfast love, which leads to, to providing boundaries and limits that are necessary in your kids' lives. And then from there, you'll need grace and forgiveness. And then you get, you get to go to gratitude and gratitude leads to an adaptive oh, mind. And so they build on one another. And what you see is that research shows each of those traits has unique components as far as the outcomes in children's lives. And you can begin with us at Focus on the Family through an assessment. Uh, it's a free assessment at focusonthefamily.com slash the number seven and then traits. And uh, it's a quick five to seven minute assessment. It gives, it gives you a starting point. Then there are videos and content. And there's a book that takes you into a practical place with those seven traits on ways that you can apply those in your home immediately. I, I, the, the goal with that book was to provide it as a, as a resource on the go that where you can go on whatever chapter you want to go to and, and uh, grow in those traits in very practical ways. And uh, it's exciting to be able to share those seven traits with parents. And if, if you were going to work on something this year, if you can go through those seven, looking as the goal to develop kids that are steadfast in their faith, hope, and love, but also contributors. That means they genuinely love and care about others and not consumers. Consumers use that charm, niceness, kindness for themselves. And there's a change inside that soul. You're building in your kids something pretty amazing, but it begins with you building inside of you intentionally uh, as you uh, grow in that relationship with God. So that'd be a great starting point for, for parents on our website uh, through that assessment. Again, that's focusonthefamily.com slash the number seven and then traits. Very good. Well, Dr. Huerta, it's been both a pleasure and a blessing to have you with us on the program today. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you both. It's been an honor. Absolutely. Now, as we say at the start of just about every program, Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of our parent ministry, Shepherds Hill Academy, which provides year-long Christ-centered residential programs for teens that doesn't just focus on getting the teens back on track, because we know that that in and of itself isn't going to be enough. In fact, we work with the entire family to heal relationships and develop healthy home environments for these kids to return to. And the success stories are absolutely amazing. 
If you'd like to learn more about our ministry and if you'd like to find some free resources that we have to offer or if you think your family could benefit from our residential program, please visit us online at LicensedToParent.org. Again, LicensedToParent.org. There you'll find links to Shepherd's Hill Academy and our many other resources, including the past conversations like the one that we've had today. And I hope that that'll be very helpful to you. My thanks to our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent, Daniel Fasina, and to our technical producer, Carl Peets. For our host, Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you back again next time for more insight for today's culture and another opportunity to renew your Licensed to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.